ladies and gentlemen, to your week seven start sets. I am Sam Stompy Lane. You can find me on Twitter at FF Stompy. I am here with the big Irish John McGlynn at John McGlynn 75 on Twitter. How's it going today, John? It's going fantastic. Great day for a podcast. I hear you. And we're recording this before the Denver Broncos Kansas City Chiefs game. I'm obviously a Denver Broncos fan and I'm nervous. And I actually think they have a shot, and I hate that they've given me hope over the last two weeks. Uh, it's, I, I, believe me, I'm a Dolphins fan. I don't even have hope anymore. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, you, you always have to hope for the Dolphins that they don't win. And That's you right. get a shot at Tua. Um, but uh, before we get started here on our uh, start since um, for the NFC home games, uh, I want to introduce you to a podcast on the DLF family of podcasts called Dynasty Game Night. We all play fantasy football for fun. Informational podcasts are awesome, but sometimes you just want to listen to something fun. The Dynasty Game Night podcast is all about having fun and playing fantasy football related games with friends and with the community. And I know for sure because of the three that are consistently on that, the producer and the two hosts, Matt and John, as well as Dynasty Outhouse, who produces that podcast, that that is a fantastic, fantastic podcast. It's a fun podcast, and I definitely recommend you put that in your lineup of podcasts. And also, before we get started, because we need to know who's injured in in our starts and sits and making those start and sit decisions. I'm going to go throw it over to Ethan and James to talk about our injuries. So take it away, James. So here I am with Ethan. Ethan, thank you uh, for joining us here. Listen, we're recording on Thursday nights and we have the benefit of watching the first half of the Denver Broncos and Kansas city chiefs game here. And it looks like Patrick Mahomes has, has, He's left the game with an injury. He's not returning. Ethan, what do you know from the injury? Obviously, you know, the, the, there's not a lot out there yet to report. But what, what do you know about the injury so far? And what, uh, what can you tell us about this? And, uh, and give, us, give us anything that you can with Patrick Mahomes, being that he's such a superstar player. Um, what, what's, what's going on there? Is there anything that you can report at this time? Yeah, this is, this is a pretty rare occurrence where something pretty major happens before we get a chance to record. So uh, Pat Mahomes, um, by all accounts, from what I can, what I can find it, it appears as though his patella actually dislocated. So the kneecap um, went over to the side and, and came out of the groove that it normally sits in. So with a patellar dislocation um, or a kneecap dislocation, um, this is this is pretty serious. Um, the reason that I know for sure that that occurred um, is because you can actually watch them. There's video on Twitter. Um, I'm sure it'll be played all over SportsCenter, but you can watch them actually relocate his kneecap. Um, it's one of the interestingly, it's one of the easier uh, dislocations to relocate. Um, all you really have to do is make sure the knee um, straightens. You straighten the knee out. And then you basically just push the kneecap back into place. Um, the problem with a patellar dislocation, I think the reason that this is so important for, obviously it's a, a major injury, um, but it can be it, it can be one of those things where it it bothers you for a few weeks or it could end your season. And I think that is that is the biggest concern as we um, are just now getting the info on it is we're not going to know the extent of the damage until probably this probably sometime Friday or Saturday. Um, 
worst case scenario, um, we're going to start with the worst case here is that he needs a surgery. Um, something has, something has torn. He needs a surgery to basically fixate that kneecap, um, to keep it from dislocating again, uh, very high, um, re-injury risk with a patellar dislocation with a, a kneecap dislocation. Um, some of the studies that I've found have shown up to 40% um, of people will re dislocate them again. So um, I'm getting my words a little mixed up here, but basically uh, it will dislocate a second time. It'll reoccur. So um, that that's huge. That's a, this is a big deal um, for Pat Mahomes and for the chiefs that have Super Bowl aspirations clearly. Um, we'll, we'll go to the, hopefully the positive news. And that is if he does not need surgery, uh, you could, you could be looking at a, not quick by fantasy football standards, but quick by injury standards, um, four to six weeks, um, with a, with a brace, you could see him back. If he gets that range of motion back quickly, um, and really, that is the thing that's going to limit him the most um, is getting the range of motion back because this knee is going to be incredibly sore. Um, if he can get that range of motion back quickly, um, the strength will return quickly. He can brace it. Um, still going to have the risk of, of re-injuring it again, but he could brace it and return to play. Uh, at the earliest, I would guess, is four weeks. Um, the team has a week 12 buy, so that is something to take into consideration here too. You're right in that timeline of him not returning until after the week 12 buy, and you couldn't see him for the rest of your regular season for fantasy, and that that would be a huge blow to a lot of teams. So um, this is this is probably uh, probably the biggest injury news of the week. Um, luckily we were, I guess, luckily for us, we were able to see it before it, before we recorded this segment so that we could get the listeners, the info, instead of them waiting a whole week, kind of wondering where, um, where we stood on this, but this is, this is a huge blow and we are going to learn a lot about this in the next coming days on how long they expect him to be out again, surgery. We're looking at an ended season, which is, which is devastating for the consensus QB one in fantasy this year. Um, really, really a big injury here. Yeah, this one really has me reeling. I mean, I am I'm almost depressed over this injury. I enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes week in and week out, knowing that I'm not going to be able to do that for a uh, elongated period of time. Just uh, has has me, uh, man. I'm I'm. I mean, that's my enjoyability of watching the game is is going to go down week in and week out now. So, uh, yeah, I, if we can ever get some of that star uh, that star power healing. That's oh, yeah. healing that you talk about. Good, this could be a good case study here with the star healing because uh Pat Mahomes, this this is it doesn't get much the star doesn't get much brighter than this. So um hopefully he's got a little magic up his sleeve and we can get him back um pretty quick here. But again, you're looking for for any news that he might need surgery is going to be bad news for fantasy. Uh, something to monitor and make sure that you're following Ethan on Twitter at eTurnerFF underscore PT. Uh, th- you're going to want to follow him because he's going to keep you up to date on all this. Ethan, uh, you're also going to be tweeting out a, a very extensive thread uh, tomorrow on this, aren't you? Uh, about this injury and and uh, and going into some greater detail on it too as well, right? Yeah. So my my plan is um, this this 
portion of the podcast should drop on Friday. My plan is to already have it up so that our listeners can go onto Twitter, um, like you said, at eTurnerFF underscore PT and go through that thread. Uh, When I do these kinds of threads on these kind of uh, interesting injuries, we're going to go through basically all of the implications that this has, um, good news, bad news, whatever the outcomes could be, it's all going to be covered. Um, It's going to be a pretty quick read. Um, and I think that that's, that's definitely going to, uh, I think, give the listeners a much greater insight than even I can give on the podcast today. Um, I'm going to bring a lot of research in. Hopefully I can find some examples. Um, I think I think if I remember correctly, Matt Stafford may have had something like this happen to him in 2009, I think. Um, and I think he came back in four weeks. So that would be best case scenario for Pat Mahomes. Um, we're hoping for that four weeks uh, again, but but there's no guarantee with that. Yeah, well, that's that's again, that's why why you got to follow Ethan, because he's going to keep you up to date on all this good stuff. So um, let's go. Let's go to the next player here, uh, Ethan. Let's go to Marquise Brown. This is a guy who, um, you know, really uh, Baltimore has a uh, has a decent matchup coming up here this week uh, against Seattle. Um, and uh, it would really help them to have Marquise Brown out on the field. Right. But we know that he's a little banged up. What can we expect? Is Marquise Brown going to play? And if so, is he going to be effective? You know, I don't expect him to play. He's he's considered day to day by the coach. Um, John Harbaugh has come out and said that they they think he has a shot to play um, if he can return to practice this week. But as of Thursday night, uh, Brown is still not practicing. I think there's a pretty good chance he misses this game. Um, and this goes back to I don't know if these two are related, but he did have the list Frank injury coming into the NFL. Um, and this was one of the concerns was that Brown would not um, would not be able to stay healthy for the entire season. And and now we're seeing that manifest a little bit here. So, um, again, again, that previous injury history, it, it plays a huge role in predicting injuries in the future. And I I wonder if that is what we're dealing with here. That's going to be something to monitor for sure moving forward. Uh, with with Marquise Brown is is uh, is kind of what this injury is and uh, how long it's going to entail for recovery. So that that is some news that we're going to have to monitor again. Let's go to the next game and this one this one's really uh, kind of in the forefront of my mind, Ethan, because uh, I have I have bought a lot of shares of this player uh, over the course of the season and I'm wondering kind of what's going on if I can expect him this week plays on Monday night too so uh, that's always you know the wait and see approach on a Monday night game is tough let's go to Josh Gordon uh, the wide receiver for the New England Patriots I know it was a knee injury that kind of kind of kept him uh, kept him out what can we expect please tell me this isn't going to be like a game time decision and I'm going to have to wait for a Monday night player type thing Sadly, I think that's what we're looking at here. Um, Josh Gordon is dealing with a knee strain. We uh, This is classic Patriots. They don't tell us anything about their injuries. They're probably one of the smarter teams um, in not doing that. But uh, he missed most of last week's Thursday night game. Um, he hasn't practiced yet this week as of Thursday. Uh, but of course, in classic, this is classic Patriots here. Uh, he gets an extra long recovery because he goes from the Thursday game all the way to Monday. So they get an extra day. Even when they have the longer long, longer layoff, they get an extra day. This is so Patriots. Maybe that's the Steelers fan in me coming out a little bit. But it just seems it seems kind of ironic that they always seem to get the breaks, even though they're the best one of the best teams in the NFL. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a good chance because he has that extra time that that he could recover and and play so i'm going to put him at about 50 50 um for monday he's going to probably be a game time decision unless we hear something concrete from the team 
uh, Friday or Saturday. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with 50, 50. This is a game time decision. Um, uh, if you're, one of those teams that you're like, man, I really need to to rely on Josh Gordon. Uh, Jacoby Myers has played well when he has missed time, so um, he's probably available on your waivers. Uh, and I think that that would be a guy that I would make sure I have on my team as kind of that last minute backup plan uh, if Jordan, if uh, Gordon, that is, is not able to suit up. There you go. Yeah, Stompy and I are going to talk about that game a little bit. We're also going to talk about uh, Philip Dorsett a little bit too um, because he has an interesting prospect if Josh Gordon does miss this game. So uh, let's move on to, to Will Disley. Um, this one was was a big one uh, because a lot of people, um, man, including myself, were counting on him. You know, you, if, if you had him on your roster after he came back and made that, you know, like you and I talked about, made a really improbable comeback and uh, and was able to overcome some pretty big obstacles from his last injury and uh, and and was looking really good in in this offense again and uh, and then the injury. So t- tell me what uh, what can we look for for Will Disley moving forward here? So Disley, this is this is really sad for me. Uh, we talked about how improbable that comeback was and how impressive it was that he came back from that patella rupture. And then he turns around, he has an Achilles rupture uh, in in last week's game. Didn't even give you enough time for the game. He probably cost you a week if you were dependent on him in fantasy, which is obviously that's a very minor detail because this is something that's going to take him out for the rest of the year. Achilles rupture are no joke. I always say that there's there's three injuries that I never want to see a player that is any player have, and that's an Achilles rupture, a patellar tendon rupture, and a knee dislocation. So. Uh, two out of three right now for Disley. This is just horrible luck. I really feel for the guy. He is clearly extremely talented when he is healthy. Um, but but you have to wonder, man, if this stuff keeps adding up, uh, what are what are we really gonna? I hope. I just hope that he can come back again. We've seen him do it once. Hopefully, he's got some more of that star healing left in him um, because he is in incredible talent at a position that really sorely needs it right now. So just a, just a bad break. If Mahomes hadn't had this patellar dislocation, I thought Disley would probably be the biggest news that we'd be talking about this week. But of course, um, Pat Mahomes, he always finds a way to kind of be in the, the, in the, the mainstream media. So I wish he wouldn't again. have this time. I really wish he wouldn't have. Um, yeah, no, but... I, I, I wish he, I wish we didn't ever have to talk about stars. Um, yeah. I... Uh, and it's, it sucks. This is the hardest part of my job <laughs> as far as talking about injuries with these players, because ultimately it comes down to these are, these are real people just trying to make a living. And it's just a, it's just a real shame that, um, that bad things have to happen to good people. So uh, again, our fantasy teams are, are pretty minor compared to what these guys are, are now putting their bodies through and what they have to go through basically just to provide us entertainment. So a lot of respect to the, all the football players out there, um, mm-hmm. especially the ones that are dealing with these injuries. Cause you know, these, this is a lifelong thing that they, these guys are going to have to deal with. And while, while we can enjoy the time that we have uh, with them entertaining us on, on, on hopefully not Thursday nights for much longer if this kind of stuff keeps up. But mm-hmm. um, while we can enjoy them watching fo- playing football, uh, you know, we really do have to think about long term. What are we, what are we taking off uh, these guys' uh, quality of life and their their health going forward? So I, I do feel bad. There is there's always a human aspect to it. Yeah, very well said, Ethan. I think we've seen uh, throughout the course of of you know the history of this game. 
the long-term effect that it can have on players. And it's, it's almost tragic in some, in some sorts, in some senses, in some, uh, some examples that we've, we've already seen. So uh, yeah, these, these injuries piling up, they, they take a toll on you mentally when you really stop and think how, about how they affect the person. I will say this, Will Disley has already tweeted um, about how, this is not going to keep him down. And, you know, if you think this is the end of him, um, you know, you don't know him very well. And, uh, and he's, he's already approaching this with, uh, with the same veracity that he approached his last recovery with. And I, I, I just, you know, after reading that, I really felt like, wow, you know, he's in the right headspace at least. And that's, that's gotta be something moving forward. Right. That's gotta, um, gotta help uh, somewhat, right. To be in that right yeah. headspace. Yeah, mentally, mentally, you have to take that mindset to recovery. I, I even talk about just normal patients that I see, you know, uh, mind over matter makes a huge difference when you're talking about pain and recovery um, and getting back to you and achieving your goals. So, uh, you know, I, I think Will Disley is the kind of guy that uh, will bounce back. I don't I have not given up on him in, in dynasty formats. Um, we'll see how I feel about him come the beginning of next year as far as redraft goes with this Achilles. Uh, notorious for, for not really producing at the level they were at. Um, but we have seen some improvements over the last few years with guys with Achilles tears. So um, to me, Disley, this is another chance to buy Disley um, for the talent that he is. You're probably not going to have to spend a whole lot because he's going to have this injury stigma around him. And, and, and again, you know, we have seen crazier things happen in the NFL. So I'm not counting Will Disley out. He, he is young and I do believe that, that he has a chance. And the other thing that, and this plays into the Achilles injury specifically, he isn't a guy that wins um, with explosion, with explosive ability. He's not a Noah Fant. He's not an, even an Evan Ingram as far as his athleticism. He's a very um, talented athlete, uh, but I think he wins less with that explosion, which is going to be the biggest thing that's affected with this Achilles. So um, again, I think Disley, I think Disley is going to come back, and I think it's, he's worth a flyer if you're if you're talking about making a trade. You know, teams. We talked about it earlier this week. If you're that team that's rebuilding, Disley is a target for me because um, the injury discount is going to be steep with him. Yeah. And that's, that's fair. I mean, that's at this point, that's kind of how you have to approach it. Right. I mean, when you, you know, this is a second major injury, like you stated yourself, I mean, it's his value has to go down as far as, you know, fantasy drafts and in startups. So that, that, that makes a ton of sense to me. Then let's, let's move on to some updates here. There are some names that I I'm seeing on this list that we've seen week in and week out. Let's start with Devin Singletary. This is a name that continues to pop up on your list. Um, what What's going on with him? You know, uh, what's can we expect him back? He's playing Miami this week. Yeah, this is best case scenario for somebody re- returning from an, uh, an injury. De- Singletary's been dealing with his hamstring strain that just hasn't seemed to, to get right. It, it is looking like he is going to come back this week and play. Um, following the Bills week six bye. So this is this is best case scenario. And of course he's going up against Miami. He doesn't get much better for that from from a perspective of returning. So um risk of re-injury is still still kind of looming over him a little bit. Uh these hamstring strains. You're looking at that two week window when they first return is when they're most likely to re-enter it again. So you got to be a little concerned there. But uh you know this is I think this is a time to, to go out and try to buy Devin Singletary before this matchup because uh, if he blows up, the price is just going to skyrocket. like that a lot. And Ethan, you and I had discussed previously about how Devin Singletary doesn't always have the highest 
touch total. He's just very efficient with the touches he gets, and that can really help him, I would think, coming back from an injury, not having to sustain a whole lot of, of work or, or hits and still being you know, a, a possibly fantasy relevant in a bad matchup um, that he has with Miami. So I would think that that would help him out, right? Yeah, I think it, I think it definitely is. I still expect him to split workload. Um, I did see a stat today, which I thought was interesting, that he has had uh, seven runs of ten plus yards. He's only had ten catch or ten carries. So uh, the <laughs> the fact that he is that uh, is producing at that level, you know, he doesn't need the, especially against Miami, he doesn't need a ton of touches to give you a, a flex worthy week in fantasy. So. Um, if he if he's playing, I'm I'm not a, I'm not scared to throw him into my flex spot, especially with all the teams that are missing bye weeks this week. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. Awesome. Let's let's move on to the next player, and that's AJ Green. Uh, we know he's been injured all season. He got injured in the preseason. What's the update on him? You know, we always uh, kind of hear little tidbits here and there about him potentially, uh, you know, doing some some individual work on the side and and some of that. But I, we don't really ever hear anything definitive as far as uh, when we can expect him back. What what do you know uh, with AJ Green, and what can we expect on him moving forward? So with Green, you know, still doesn't have a timetable for his return. Uh, they haven't given us any concrete evidence. I I still believe that uh, their goal from the from the get go was to get him back after the week uh, the team's week nine bye, um, and I still think that we're on pace for that. It looks like he is getting some limited practice in, which is always good to see. Um, but I I don't expect them to rush him back, um, especially if if the rumors are true and that maybe he's considering um, he's, he's a possible trade candidate. So I uh, definitely don't think they're going to rush him back uh, just to trade him off. So uh, again, I think we're looking at, if he doesn't get traded, we're looking at probably that, that, uh, that week 10 range for AJ green. Uh, this was not a good investment in fantasy. Uh, still to this day, I will stand by that. Um, you, you spent way too much for a guy that's only going to give you maybe five, six weeks. Um, and that is, that's assuming that he comes back in week 10. So, uh, again, poor, poor fantasy. If you don't draft, don't draft injured players. That's my, that's my motto in the preseason. So that rings true here. Um, Auden Tate has surprised me. He, uh, he looked really good last week. Um, he, he had a couple of throws that were just horrible in his direction and he made some great catches. If he could get, if him and Andy Dalton could get more in tune or if Andy Dalton could just throw him the ball, like within two feet of him, uh, I think that on Tate could have had an even bigger week. So, you know, I think he had 12 targets last week. So he's a guy that if he's still floating around on your waivers might be worth a, worth a few starts here because, um, he is getting the volume to justify it. Yeah, Auden Tate's a, a much better receiver than people were giving him credit for, even when he came out of Florida State. He's he's showing it now. He finally has opportunity, and uh, he's he's kind of showing that uh, what he can do with that opportunity. So I like that. I like the fact that a, a younger piece is getting a chance to kind of shine here. Um, you know, in the uh, in the absence of AJ Green. So, uh, Ethan, thank you so much for breaking all that down. Uh, we will get back with you on our uh, our next uh, um, start sits episode and in the meantime uh thank you to the listeners and uh, we're gonna throw it back over uh to stompy my partner um so i'm gonna welcome stompy back in we'll go do the matchups here thank you ethan all right thanks guys thanks as always to ethan he's at uh e turner 
PT underscore FF, E Turner, FF underscore PT, something like that. But he's been always been fantastic, always giving us good information about injuries. Uh, so you should definitely be following him on Twitter to get uh, the latest information on injuries from on a week to week basis. All right. So you know the drill. We're doing the NFC home games. Green light uh, means you're going to start with confidence, yellow light. Uh, those players are startable, but you need to temper your expectations. And then red light, you definitely need to bench those players. We will start with our friend John McGlynn over here with the Rams at Falcons. Take it away, John. Rams at Falcons. Good game. Good division game. I have uh, for my green lights for the Falcons. I have uh, Matt Ryan. Um, he's got 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 2,000 yards in his first six games. This guy's on fire. There's no stop Matt Ryan right now. Uh, Another green light, Julio Jones, number seven wide receiver in PPR. He's averaging 13 yards per catch, uh, getting getting all his uh, receptions from Matt Ryan, who's also on fire. So you know, that combination is pretty nice. Devonta Freeman, he's getting 13 attempts and four receptions a game. No rushing touchdowns yet, but he's killing it in the receiving game with 200 yards and three touchdowns. He just feels like he's heating up right now. He had a slow start, but I think this guy's about to, about to, about to be on fire. So. Um, and then Austin Hooper, number one tight end in the league with 480 yards and three touchdowns on 50 targets. Uh, this guy's uh, a, he's a number one tight end for a reason. He's just he's killing it right now. Uh, for the Rams, I got Jared Goff. Atlanta is the perfect prescription for a team that has a dose of a bad offensive day last week. Uh, they really couldn't get anything going last week, but uh, Atlanta's defense is second worst in the, in the league. So uh, this will be a prescription for putting everything right on track. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks. Expect all three of those guys to, to eat against one of the worst secondaries in the league. So um, those are my green lights for this week. Um, my y'all lights are uh, for the Falcons, Muhammad Sanu. Um, Sanu is uh, incredibly inefficient catching – incredibly efficient, I'm sorry, catching 32 of his 40 targets um, this year for um, nine yards – nine and a half yards of catch. He's allergic to the end zone, so expect uh, the five catches for 40 yards. Not too much more, not too much less. Uh, uh, also, Calvin Ridley. Uh, I love Ridley, um, but he's been pretty shaky, and is in, uh, he's in a big timeshare. Matty Ice loves Julio, and everything, <clears throat> everyone else is just in the right place at the right time. Really does have four touchdowns already, so he's got that uh, potential big game week in him, but he's just very inconsistent. Um, and then uh, for the Rams, Todd Gurley. Not sure what his workload will be like this uh, this game, but um, it's it, it, probably somewhere around 15 touches, but use with caution because he's got a leg thing going on. So you know, as Ethan will tell you, but um, I'm not really sure what he's going to happen. So then my red lights for the Falcons, Edo Smith, it's going to be a Freeman making an impact this week or it won't happen at all. The Rams are pretty good against the run. So um, use Edo Smith with caution. And then uh, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby for that matter, will both be vulturing um, each other, unfortunately. So, um, and also red lights, uh, the combination of Malcolm Brown, Darrell Henderson, and John Kelly will be nothing but a dark throw. So avoid any and all, especially Gurley, if, especially if Gurley's playing. So those are my uh, red lights, yellow lights, and green lights for this game. What do you think? So it's interesting on Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. Both have seemed to be involved uh, this year, which is definitely a – uh, a different or de- a difference from uh, 2018. Um, but it's interesting this game because in the last three weeks, the Rams have allowed the third most 
fantasy points to tight ends. They allowed uh, Cameron Brait to score a touchdown. They allowed Will Disley to go for 81 yards. They allowed George Kittle to go for 103 yards um, in, in the last three games. So that's interesting to me. Uh, if there was one that you would pick, is there like in, and especially in bye weeks, is there one that you prefer here? Everett. I, yeah. if I had to pick one, I'd take Everett, uh, you know, but I just think Higley's going to be cutting into that, that, uh, those receptions, those catches. I think these guys are, it, it's kind of, I don't want to say 50, 50 share, but the, you know, it, it's kind of the hot hand every week. So, or it's going to be the hot hand for on the up and coming. So, but I would take Everett if I had to choose one. It's actually pretty close to 50-50 if you look at snap counts here. I mean, yeah. last last week, Higby had 30 to Gerald Everett's 28. The previous week, it was 58 to 40. So there, there's a lot of 12 personnel going on for the Rams. I, I think I agree that it's Everett. I think Everett's definitely the more athletic and, and the more promising. But Higby last week had the better week. So... It's it's kind of a dart throw. Um, I personally recommend Everett, but I don't know if you're gonna go, you're gonna go wrong picking either one if you're in a bye week here. Yeah, right. You got if you got to pick one, pick Everett. But you know, it's like a, it's you might as well just put your hand over your eyes and throw a dart at the board. It's uh, kind of how that's gonna work. Yep, I hear you. All right, uh, I have the Vikings at Lions, so my green lights are Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. Uh, yellow lights are Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, um, Stefan Diggs, Carrion Johnson, TJ Hawkinson, and my red lights are uh, Kyle Rudolph and Marvin Jones. Uh, people will probably balk a little bit at uh, Kirk Cousins being a green light this week, but Detroit has over the last – I mean, they've allowed over 20 fantasy points in five in four of their five games this season, and I – view that as green light worthy. I mean, it seems like the Vikings have found a balance to their offense now, especially over the past couple of weeks that will allow them to throw the ball and will keep uh, the ball on the ground as well. Um, Obviously you need to keep those two wide receivers happy. You also need to keep the two wide receivers, your two of your best players in the game and get the ball in their hands. So I, I think we're going to see a little bit better ratio of pass to run um, than we had seen the first few games for the Vikings. Um, and I, I think it'll equate to what we have seen the last couple of games. So that's why I like cousins uh, in terms of Thielen as a green light and digs as a yellow light. Um, really it's about cornerback matchups. Darius Slay uh, probably lines up against digs more often than not. Um or it's not Darius Slay. What's it is Darius Slay. What am I talking about? Uh but and that and Darius Slay is a shutdown corner. He's probably a top 10 cornerback in the league, maybe even top five. So he could end up on digs more often than not, and that leaves uh Adam Thielen out of the slot uh open for more targets. Um so, yeah, I, that's why I like Thielen over Diggs this week. I still think that Diggs will get uh, plenty of opportunities here because he's one of three pass catchers. This is a very concentrated offense in terms of on the pass. So I do think Diggs is startable this week, just temper expectations because of that matchup with Slay. Um, carry on. It, it, it's hard to gauge this Lions offense right now. I think most of them are yellow lights just because the Vikings defense is is – 
very good. I mean, they rank uh, they rank sixth in overall DVOA, eighth against the pass, and fourth against the run. So they're a very well-rounded defense, and they don't give up a ton of points. But Stafford's played well enough this season that I think he is startable. Um, he, the The Vikings have given up the uh, – it, it looks like the 12th fewest fantasy points. So they're kind of middle of the pack against QBs um, against running backs are a little bit better. They've given up or a lot better. They've given up the fifth fewest fantasy points over the last three weeks uh, to running backs um, though. They did give up a big, uh, big catch to Miles Sanders last week and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams were able to catch the ball and run on them a lot as well. Uh, Galladay is just garnering a lot of targets right now. So I think volume is king there. So I, I think this Vikings defense is good enough to shut down the ceilings of these players, but I think they are good enough to be playable this week. Um, at least Stafford, Galladay and carry on and Hawkinson because um, believe it or not, that's the uh, Vikings one weakness is against um, tight ends. They have given up double digit fantasy points in three games. They gave up a 27 point effort to Darren Waller. They gave it up, gave up a 10.7 point effort to Evan Ingram and a 16.7 fantasy point effort to Austin Hooper. And then last week they gave up, um, over 18 points, um, over 19 points to both Goddard and Zacherts combined. So that is their one weakness. Those middle linebackers aren't fantastic in coverage. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, I like the Cousins thing. I, I, I just think this is such, it was run heavy offense to begin with. It's become such a balanced team. And, and I think yeah. things just, things just work better when, when, uh, when things are balanced in Minnesota. Right. They, the, the team looks awesome. They look unstoppable on both sides. I know. An offense when the offense is clicking, the defense goes with them. It's they're just they're an awesome team. Yeah, I agree. And and like I said, I mean, I don't think you're going to expect the ceiling from Cousins, but if you can get twenty plus points from Cousins this week, I think you're you're perfectly happy with that as your starter. Absolutely. All right, John, you are on to the Raiders at the Packers. Uh, okay. Raiders to the Packers. Um, my green lights here, are Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers will be, will, will be without Devontae Adams again, but, uh, he still finds a way to be a fantasy relevant with a group of undrafted free agent wide receivers. Uh, look for a carnival of targets to any one of his unproven receivers and a lot of, uh, screen passes to his running back. So that's also why I have Aaron Jones in, uh, my green lights. Um, he's the number one back in green Bay, even though it was a timeshare last week. Uh, we're it's a little reality check in the in the form of a committee treatment um yeah. that might be what jones needed to wake up and make up for a sloppy start last week so um for the raiders i got josh jacobs one of my favorite buys in in all of fantasy football right now jacobs uh, will probably continue building on his momentum and a uh pretty bad green bay defense will help out a lot um he's probably going to be a little more involved in the passing game going forward also so look for that um, yellow lights for the Packers MVS. I think he's going to play. He had a, a little nicked up injury, but he, uh, he came back in the game. I think he's just had a rest day today or on Wednesday and Thursday. I think he'll play this week though. Um, these guys are not Devontae Adams, but someone had to catch the ball 
the Raiders pass defense is pretty bad, but uh, it's anyone's guess who will get the targets. Uh, Jamal Williams don't expect as much usage as he had last game, but he uh, he's going to get some touches. That's just how the Packers are built. And then Raiders for the Raiders, Derek Carr. Uh, Packers pass defense is pretty good. Carr's only averaging 14 points a game. Uh, but be careful as he might be without some of his weapons this week also. And um, you know, like Darren Waller, the only bright spot in Oakland's passing game, but it's pretty, it is a pretty tough matchup for him. So I, um, that's why the only reason I have him in the yellow light, I think he's going to be kind of held in check this week, even though he's a stud, I, you know, it's with a big contract. I think he's a yellow light. And then my red lights for the Packers, Jimmy Graham, Jake Kumaro. Don't expect much as the Packers are trying to establish the run uh, from now from this point on until they get their star receiver back. And then Raiders, Trader Davis, Trevor Davis, Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones, they're just, they're just yuck. There's nothing good. Uh, those guys aren't going to be fantasy studs or anything even relevant for you in your in your fantasy lineup this week. So that's what I got. Uh, so on that Darren Waller one, the the Packers have actually been very good against tight ends this season. Um, they rank 16th in terms of fantasy points allowed to tight ends per game. Uh, they did allow a relatively big game to Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, but they've only allowed one double-digit fantasy game to um, tight ends this season in PPR. Uh, yeah, so I, I think yeah, I, I think that's a good call on Waller there. Um, he will get volume, but um, we'll we'll see what he can do with that volume. Uh, what do you think about? Uh, you don't have Tyrell Williams on here. What do you think about Tyrell Williams? I know he's battling plantar fasciitis, um, and I'm sure that um, Ethan talked about that. Uh, so what do you think about Ty- Tyrell Williams in this game? I don't think he's playing. He's got a couple injuries. Uh, that's with both the injuries going. I, I honestly think they're going to sit him this week. That's why I don't have him in here at all. I don't. I think he's not going to play. Well, we'll see. Um, I don't. I, I think he probably was a red light anyway because of that pass defense. So, uh, if he does play, it's going to be an iffy matchup regardless. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, do you have any feeling on like Alan Lazard um, this week? I did. I did. I. I wasn't sure if. Um... Lazard was a, is a pickup in a lot of – if you look at most fantasy leagues, um, Lazard was a big pickup for a lot of people because it was kind of a um, uh, wishy-washy uh, waiver wire. I, I, I saw Lazard, and, and I know Aaron Rodgers kind of called for him to begin, uh, get on the field last week. He, was, you know, he wasn't trusting the receivers that he had, so he was asking for Lazard to come on the field. I just don't think Lazard is going to establish himself as a primary receiver if anything, he'd probably be a red light if I put him on here. That's, I think he's just a fill-in, a body, a warm body to put on the field. I don't really think Lazard is a, uh, a proven commodity, you know, as far as that goes. So I I kind of left him off here. Just I, I guess I should have probably put him on here on the red lights just as a fill-in body, but I'm not really sure if uh, um, if he's going to do anything. So I, I wouldn't trust him. I, I get that. I mean, and, and if you're in bye weeks and you are desperate, especially a wide receiver, I think Lazard's not the worst option just because of the fact that um, Aaron Rodgers gave him the vote of confidence in that last game. But I definitely get where you're coming from. All right. So I have the Cardinals at Giants. So basically this is start 
all of your primary options um, and don't start your secondary options. So start, start, start Kyler, start Daniel Jones, start Saquon, start Ingram. Both have practiced this week. Uh, start Larry Fitzgerald. We're going to call him Larry legend from now on move over Larry bird. Um, Christian Kirk, if he is playing, which I'm sure Ethan has an update on that, but I have not read or heard as of the time we were recording, um, they are saying that he must be 100% to play against the Giants. So we'll see if he plays. Um, I'm not really trusting any of the secondary wide receivers there. Um, I think, if anything, David Johnson uh, takes over and gets more volume. And that's why he's a green light this week, though Though the quote-unquote strength of the Giants' defense is against the run. They rank 28th against the pass and 13th against the run in terms of DVOA. David Johnson is just involved in the pass game so much that there's no – I mean, you can't sit him. I, he's among the league leaders in, in um, targets, running back targets. He has 41. He ranks third behind Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey. So you obviously have to start him. Even though he has not been effective on the ground, he has been highly effective through the air. Um yeah, I the think, Giants gave up the fifth most in the league. Yeah, for rushing, that's uh, you know if if he's going to have a multi-purpose game, that'll be the it'll be this week. Right, right. Um, and then I think really your start of the week this week has to be Evan Ingram. I mean, I think that in like DFS, he's going to be super chalk because this is the worst um, team <laughs> against running backs by a long sh- or against tight ends. tight ends by a long shot. And Evan Ingram is a top two fantasy tight end right now. It's almost comical how bad they are against tight ends, but I remember Ingram before, every time he has a a slight injury, he's almost like Stephon Diggs where he has a slight injury. He doesn't produce. I just hope this isn't one of the weeks when he's got this golden matchup. Well, I, I, I will say that having him sit Thursday night definitely helps my confidence there. Yeah. Um, because he's had basically two weeks to, um, recover. So I'm, I, I mean, I don't think any, you're, you're not setting, setting Evan Ingram anyway. No. And with Patrick Peterson back for the Cardinals, he's probably shutting down one of those outside receivers, likely um, Darius Slayton, who has taken over that outside receiver role in the absence of uh, Sterling Shepard. So I think golden Tate's a start this week because he's not going to be facing. Um, he's not going to be facing Patrick Peterson and slot receivers have actually done decently well against uh, against the Arizona Cardinals this season. So I think Tate's is a green light this week as well. The over-under for this game is 49.5, which I believe is second uh, in terms of this week's slate. So it's going to be high scoring. It's two bad secondaries. It's two bad defenses. It's two good, well, maybe not good offenses, but two offenses that can take advantage of those bad defenses. So basically you're starting anybody that you would normally start. Like I said, Murray, Jones, Saquon, Ingram, Fitz, maybe Kirk if he plays, um, Golden Tate and David Johnson. I would say Darius Bird, or is it, I can't. Demir, sorry, Demir Bird um, is a yellow light. Um, he's he's better. It's better if Kirk is out, but I think Bird could get deep for a couple, and 
especially against this secondary. Like I said, Slayton, probably a yellow light for me just because he's facing Patrick Peterson, though he may get volume. And then if anybody's thinking about starting Max Williams or any tight end for the Cardinals, don't. don't. They're all red lights. Yeah, that's it, absolutely. That's a great defense on the, against tight ends. Um. All right, John. So we are on to the 49ers and the Washington football club. Uh, okay. I guess I'm not, should I say Redskins or can I, uh, you can say whatever you want. I just have my own thing with that. All right. For San Fran, uh, George Kittle, Kittle has started out to be, uh, started out a little, started out a little slower than fantasy owners would expect, but Washington might make up for his lack of production. Uh, so far this year. So um, he's definitely a green light. He's probably the number one in the top three of football anyway. So um, I don't have any green lights for, for San Francisco. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't have any, uh, any green lights for um, Washington. So there's nothing that San Fran's got an awesome defense. They, they Washington's horrible. So I don't have anything to put there. Um, yellow lights. Uh, for San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy GQ probably won't have – you probably won't have to do too much, but hand off to Coleman and Breed of this game. So I'm, uh, I, as soon as I get ahead, which they'll probably be ahead early, it's just going to be, you know, running out the clock, running out the clock, you know, which is I have, uh, which is why I have Coleman and Breed as yellow lights too because um, a great game as far as matchups are concerned, but um, it'll be a revol- revolving door in the backfield. Both these guys will kill each other's fantasy value. They'll, um, they'll just one guy in. One guy out. Try to preserve him. Don't don't overuse anybody. It's not a game to get any injuries in. It should be a, this should be a just a walk in the park for the entire San Francisco team. So I I just think they're going to try and use each guy sparingly, run the clock down, and get him off the field. Uh, for Washington, Terry McLaurin. Uh, McLaurin is by far the best fantasy option in Washington, but they're playing the 49ers this week, who we'll probably be focused on him and limit his upside. And then uh, yellow light Adrian Peterson. Um, he might be in line for 20, 20 plus touches this week. Um, he's already banged up. He's now he's facing one of the league's best rushing defenses. I'm only calling him a yellow light because of the volume. I call him a red light, but I think he's going to get just. They're going to make. They're going to run until he, until he pukes this week. I think so. Um, they, they don't really have any other options with Thompson hurt and you know that guy's out and you know that they, they just signed. Uh, um, what's his name? Wendell Smallwood off the street. So I. Um, they're not. It's Peterson's yellow light just because of volume. And then red lights, um, Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, Marquise Goodwin, all three of these guys are not dependable starters, and they might not even be needed in a, in a you know pretty much a clock killer game against the Reds, against the Washington team. <laughs> and then uh, <clears throat> for Washington, Case Keenum, you almost can't play him even in a two-quarterback lead this week. Um, Paul Richardson, Trey Quinn, they're not options. Wendell Smallwood. Smallwood might be thrust in the passing game this week with Thompson probably out, but it's a bad matchup. You know, only catching a few screen passes just isn't enough to justify putting on your in your roster, not even as a second running back or second flex. So that's where I stand in this game. Yeah, I the only one that I think is even close to startable for the Reds. Uh, I almost said it. The Washington I... for Washington is McLaurin. Um other than that, I mean, I don't, I can't even say AP's yellow because this offensive line is not good. No, the the 49ers have been fantastic, though. Though that is their 
weakness is against running backs. The 49ers defense has been fantastic all season. And number two against the run, yeah. So it's just like what I mean, you don't you can't you can't start anybody for Washington this week. I don't think you're sitting Terry McLaurin, but if if you have a better option, I would definitely be looking at a better option. Um and and if you're liking a pickle in QB, I think Jimmy G's an okay start this week. I mean, the Washington secondary has not been good uh this season. Um they've allowed the six most fantasy points to QBs. Uh, last week, notwithstanding with Fitzpatrick and Rosen, um, he might so have I, less. He might have less than twenty passes this game because of, you know if they're up big. Oh no, and that's, and that's fair. But I, and and I think more for super flex purposes. He's I think he's fine at QB two. If you're a streamer just in one QB, I think Jimmy G is is an okay start. Um, and I there's not really any pass catchers I trust besides Kittle there, so I'm on board there. And then I think both Tevin Coleman and Matt Breda, you you had them as yellow lights, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they honestly could end up being green lights. Yeah, um, that's I was thinking that too, but I'm just thinking that they're just going to try. You know, they haven't been even though they've been getting a lot of work, they haven't been doing a lot with it besides besides Coleman in the passing game. I um I I just think that they're uh. There, Brita did pretty good in, uh, initially, but now they're what are they three point some yards per carry? You know, they're just they're vulturing each other. And they're not getting a lot of production. You know, yeah, I know this, I mean, this, this is an easy game. It should be an easy walk through game for both running backs. But I think, like I said, it's going to be a revolving door. Okay, you got two runs, you come out. You got two runs, you come out. You got two runs, you come out. And they're just going to run the clock. Well, and that's that's what I'm saying though is the amount of volume that both are going to get, or that both could feasibly get. Um, may they may end up being green lights this week, may but like I like you said, I think they're perfect in yellow because they cap each other's ceilings. Yeah. All right, moving on. I have the Saints at the Bears. Uh, nothing that I really love here. Um, the the two the interesting one for me, and I, I debated putting. I didn't know if I I wanted to put him in green light or yellow light here, but it's Anthony Miller. The Saints have struggled against uh, against slot receivers. Now that their slot, their starting slot corner PJ Williams is out uh, for this game, I don't know necessarily what that means. But to me, that means that they are getting somebody worse going inside the slot, and Anthony Miller could end up having a a big breakout game this. This week, he's obviously started off very slow, but he had his most targets last week. I believe his most snaps as well of the season last week. Um, let me check on that real quick. He, so he tied. He he had his highest snap percentage last week. Um, so he could end up having a fantastic game this week, and I would not be surprised just because of the the struggles that the Saints have had against slot receivers. Um, so I actually put him in as a green light. I think he's a safe, uh, safe play this week, and you will be fine with Anthony Miller starting Anthony Miller. Um, the other green light, Michael Thomas. Uh, there's not really a ton to like in terms of both of these offenses this week, but Michael Thomas continues to garner a huge amount of volume, and that will sustain him. Um, I would not be surprised to see him get double-digit 
targets, especially if Alvin Kamara is out. We we don't know about if Alvin Kamara is playing or not. He did not practice on Wednesday. I don't know if he practiced today or not. We're recording this on th- Thursday. Um, nope, he missed th- today's practice as well. So we won't know if he plays until Sunday. He's a game time decision. So I, I think I think Michael Thomas is a green light regardless. But if he if Kamara sits, Michael Thomas is gonna. I would not be surprised to see twenty plus targets to Michael Thomas because there's nobody else there. Um, yeah, he catches everything too. So if he's got right. 20 targets, he's going to get 18 receptions. That's the guy's, the guy's a gifted receiver, right? Um, in terms of yellow lights, uh, Tariq Cohen and Alvin Kamara, um, both very good defenses against running backs, but those two are yellow because they're very much involved in the passing game. Uh, so. I like those two a little bit, but your ceilings are going to be capped because these defenses have actually, I mean, it's obviously the Bears defense, but the Saints defense has actually been playing very well the last few games. And then red lights, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Obviously, you're not starting most QBs against Chicago. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is back. Mitch Trubisky has not been good to date. The Saints have been a lot better against quarterbacks over the last three weeks. They have given up the fifth fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks, and it's not like they're facing uh, bad competition. They held Dak Prescott to 11.9 points, Jameis Winston to under 20 fantasy points, Gardner Minshew to 8.3 fantasy points. So they that secondary and that defense is playing a lot better against the pass. They've always been good against the run. They were good against the run last year. They're good against the run this, this year. Um and that's why I don't like Montgomery, David Montgomery either. I don't like Latavius Murray either because, again, it's the Chicago Bears. They <clears throat> they rank sixth against the pass, eighth against the run in terms of DVOA. Um, so not a lot to like this week in that game. Two good defenses going against two less than stellar quarterbacks and I think that's going to make for a low-scoring game. So, really, it's Anthony Miller, Michael Thomas that I would feel confident about, and then Kamara if he's healthy, and Tariq Cohen, um, and then everybody else is sitable this week. That's uh, it's good analysis. That's um, pretty much where I would go with that. It's I mean, there's there's not much other options. I don't know about uh. Allen Robinson possibly, but that's oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot to put Allen Robinson in there. He's a yellow white too. I don't know why I put uh forgot to put Allen Robinson. He's a you know, that guy's he's a, the Bears um, brightest spot on the offense, I think I correct, I but I, he will have Marcus Lattimore across from him. Um so I I think he's a yellow light. Like I said, I mean the the over under for this game's thirty eight and a half. There's not going to be a, a lot of scoring. The I, saw, Saint- I, saw, I saw that. Nobody was saying to bet it now before it goes down and down and down and down and, you know, keeps going down because they both have good defenses. But uh, yeah. I, I kind of late for the boat. It already dropped three points. So, Like I said, the Saints, I mean, they've been a lot better lately, but they do allow fantasy points to slot receivers, not so much those outside receivers. Um, the only outside receiver that's really gotten them for anything was Brandon Cook's. Uh, he had 74 yards and a touchdown. Other than that, they just haven't given up a lot of fantasy points to those outside receivers. So that's why I don't like Allen Robinson a ton this week. But he should get enough volume that he he's a yellow light 
in my mind. So, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, and on to our final game for the NFC slate here, the Eagles at Co- Cowboys. Um, Eagles at Cowboys. This, these games are awesome. I love the division games between the Eagles and Cowboys and, you know, Bears, Packers, all that. This is a good week for some divisional matchups, especially this one. I have uh, my green lights for the Eagles, Carson Wentz. Um, he's ninth this year in fantasy with 12 touchdowns, only three picks. His only downfall here is that he, this is a division game. They know each other real well, and he might not have DJX this week. Uh, I, he's still a green light, even though, even without DJX. So I, I think he just, he, I think the Eagles are going to pepper the field no matter what. So um, uh, the Cowboys are ranked 20th in defense against the pass. So um, I, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, another green light. Um, Jeffrey's always a solid play in the, on the offense and he'll be even more solid play without, without, without DJX playing if he doesn't play. So his biggest flaw is injuries, but he's healthy now and he had a good game last week. And, um, I think he'll be fed with targets. Uh, again, another green light, Zach Ertz, even though the Cowboys have some awesome linebackers, um, they're just right. They're 28th against covering the tight end position. Um, that's they, they're awesome against the run, but they just, uh, you know, they're, they're decent pass catchers too. They just gave up a ton of yards. So. This might be a really good week for Ertz. Uh, on the Cowboys side, Zeke. Zeke's a plug-and-play every week. Um, this week is no exception, even though Philly has a tough run defense. Um, Zeke, Zeke for a reason. Uh, he's going to get his. He's going to eat. Uh, Prescott, the Eagles' pass defense is pretty bad. Prescott has not been exactly awesome so far this year. But um, even if Amari Cooper, even if Amari Cooper doesn't play, uh, Prescott is teetering at mid-quarterback one radar because of Zeke's receiving usage out of the backfield. So I think that's going to save uh, Dak in a um, matchup against the Cowboys, so uh, against the Eagles. But um, Michael Gallup, I'm um, I'm going on a limb here and saying that a beat up Cooper probably won't play this week. So Gallup has shown enough to be to be able to handle a big load um, if needed. He's not been great when he's been thrust in number one role, but against Philly, he might be able to do so. So I um, that's I just I have Michael Gallup. Uh, you know, as a green light this, this week for the Cowboys, just because I think he's going to have to perform, even though he had the chance last week and he didn't do it. I think, uh, you know, a little bit more experience uh, against the bad defense. I think he'll be okay. So that, those are my green lights. Um, my yellow lights for the Eagles, Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard. Neither one of these guys can seem to get out of each other's way. And Sanders just can't seem to break out of this. The player they draft break out to be the player they drafted him to be. Um, the time will come, but it's, it's going to be a timeshare until Sanders figures out his way, you know, to take advantage of the opportunities that he has. Um, Howard's not flashy, but he's the definition of a lunchbox back. So as long as he keeps plugging away and, and getting his yardage and, you know, they're going to keep putting him in there. So until Sanders figure, figures out a way to do his job, it's, it's going to be a timeshare. And, um, for the Cowboys, Tavon Austin, um, he just might get another chance to shine with Cooper and Cobb probably out. Um, he was on the field for 93% of the snaps last week. And he'll probably have to do so again this week. So uh, Tavon Austin is a uh, is a yellow light for me just because I'm not sure of what he's going to do with his production. But I don't think he's going to do as well as he did last week. But he's going to have his opportunities. Um, red lights, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, this is one of those guys that every NFL fan just seems to love. But he just can't seem to take the next step. As, as a matter of fact, I think he's taken two steps backwards this year. Um, his weak play and his drops are just too much to rely on for, for, as a fantasy option in your lineup. Um, he's probably a second flex option at best. And Dallas Goddard, uh, even in a great matchup, I don't think Goddard is used enough to stick in your lineup. Um, he's an Ertz injury away from being an awesome tight end, but he's just a second fiddle right now in an offense, even when he's healthy. Um, for the Cowboys, Jason Witten, um, don't expect much from from, <clears throat> from 
uh, from Jason Witten. Um, not that you, not that you did in the first place, uh, but Jason Witten, he might catch a pass or two and then be immediately tackled if he catches it. So, um, Cedric Wilson, Cedric Wilson might be thrown into some action, but don't expect anything more than three or five fantasy points from him either. So, that's uh, those are my lights for this for this game too. It's a exciting game, but I, I think again, these are these games that the the, the high profile guys are going to get all the all the magic, and everybody else kind of be good left behind. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Gallup, while he did have a chance last week, he was facing a good secondary. Um, yeah. So it's it's so always every other receiver though when they get in there and they they face good secondaries and they make things happen. I, you know. Yeah, I I don't. My point here though is that he's facing an Eagles secondary that is bad, bad, yeah. bad, and they are injured and they, they're pulling guys off the street to start. So if there's a week for Gallup to explode and, and take over or, or be a wide receiver one, it's definitely this week. So I definitely feel pretty confident if Cooper doesn't play, which it sounds like he won't, that Gallup will take the reins and, and have a good week this week. Um, everything else I, I definitely agree with. Don't love the thought that Tavon Austin is, <laughs> is a yellow, a, a yellow light, but, I mean, if he has the, if he's an oppor- if he has opportunity, man, uh, and then yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of the running backs for Philly, the, the Cowboys haven't been fantastic. Well, they've been okay. Like outside of the one game where they gave up forty nine points to Aaron Jones and the four touchdowns, they've actually been decent against running backs. So. Um, that's that's more of a lesson on narrative here, where like you can look at the numbers and say, okay, or 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 the the thirty five thousand foot view and say, yeah, the Cowboys in the last three weeks have given up the eighth most fantasy points to running backs, but most of that came from one game. They've actually been decent against the run outside of a couple games, and with the way that the Eagles are splitting and have split the touches for their running backs the last few years and this year. I, I don't know if you can trust Miles no. Sanders or Jordan Howard against a good defense like the Dallas Cowboys. No, no, that's even if, even if one gets hot, they seem to just plug the other one in. They don't, right. he, I don't know why some coaches just can't say, man, this guy's on fire right now. Look at him go. I, you know, 10 yards, nine yards, 10 yards, nine yards. And I'll let's take him out and put the other guy in, you know, like I don't, if somebody's hot, leave him on the field. I don't, I don't understand that. You know, that's what getting in rhythm is a big, such a, a big part of these guys' game. You know, the big part of them getting psyched up, getting, you know, into the, getting the feel for the games, coming off and getting a squirt of water in your mouth and getting and then cooling off is not, is not the, it's not the prescription for a guy that's, 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 that's doing his job and, and producing on the field. Right. All right. So that was the final game for us here. And that will do it for us on this, uh, week seven start uh, start shit yes start shit start sit part one Uh, like I said follow John McGlynn at John McGlynn 75 on Twitter follow me at FF Stompy follow the show at Superflex Show Uh, subscribe to the show as well on wherever you listen to your podcast we are putting out five episodes a week um, two start sits, a waiver wire, our regular show, and then a live show. So be sure to subscribe and catch all of those. Um, other than that, I think we are done here. So uh, have a good week seven and 
stay sexy and super flexy.